Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast with your host, me, Colin Armstrong. podcast and we would obviously encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and share it on social media. Uh, the podcast is interactive. I've got the comment section open on YouTube so you can you can send us comments and we'll try and read some of them out. Uh, we are live tonight. We're live every Sunday now but uh, just to remind you that the podcast will be available to stream or download on a, a variety of platforms including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and we are now available on Spotify. Uh, this week's host, we've got some hosts. We're going to look at, obviously, the Kilmarnock game today. We were, uh, unfortunately, we lost 2-1 today at Kilmarnock. A really disappointing end to the season after, you know, five, six game unbeaten run there. Uh, we've got John McCallum. How are you, John? Ah, not too bad. The season's over. It's always a kind of sad day when the season's over. Yeah, aye. And it was a bit of a... I kind of flat end it as well. I thought, you know what I mean. I'm looking for silver linings, and the thought that Aberdeen supporters looked at the Rangers team and saw we took five players out from the team that beat Celtic, and that they would be angry about that. <laughs> that's my silver lining today. Yeah, that's the thing that's lifted me today. I think that's what I'm. That's what I'm taking from today. Aberdeen came fourth. They don't get into Europe. I'm. I'm mildly amused by that. Well, uh, they the might have a wee possibility of still sneaking in if Celtic win next week because that's what Derek McInnes was saying after the game today. Hope Celtic go on and complete a historic treble treble, which is a, an interesting comment to come from a, a former Rangers player, but, but there you go. Do you want to know how you really annoy an Aberdeen fan? Go on in. This is true, actually. This is, and, this, and, and this annoys them because it is true. Every Friday... At training at Aberdeen, they play fives, right? So before the big match at the weekend, they play fives. They don't do serious training. They're not doing anything that's going to get them hot or anything. They play fives. And guess how they pick the teams? It's Rangers fans against Celtic fans. All right. That's how Aberdeen picked the teams. Are you you exclusively revealing this, John? I'm telling you this. It's true. And uh, currently, currently, their manager won't allow the game to finish unless Rangers are winning. Right. Okay. Well, I, it doesn't. He's outward uh, sort of persona, doesn't he? Give you that impression? If I, if, I, if you don't mind me saying that, I, 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 I don't mind you saying it. But every time you meet an Aberdeen fan, tell them that it really annoys them. It pisses them off. Really, <laughs> no, I'm, them. I'm up for that. I'm always up for pissing off the sheep, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but I, his comments today, I thought were just a wee bit. Bizarre. Obviously, he wants to be in Europe, but just the way he said it, I'm actually mildly surprised that there's enough Rangers supporters in that dressing room to get a game of fives, but there yeah, we go. You'd be surprised. I am. I am very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also joining us tonight, uh, we've got David Fraser. How are you, David? Hi, not too bad, Colin, considering watching that end of season fair today. But, um, I, you've raised my spirits talking about Aberdeen, no, possibly not getting into Europe this season. I've got to be honest with you. I, I wasn't that bothered one way or another. I just I, I wanted Rangers to finish the season strongly. You know, we, I think if we'd finished 
six points behind them, we could have sort of said, well, you know, we're getting closer to them. That the day, you know, put us nine points behind. It just felt a bit flat and a, a just a poor end to a decent run. You know what I mean? I, I kind of feared that a wee bit when I saw the, the starting 11. We'll get into that uh, shortly. But, yeah, I, just a just a wee bit of a disappointing end, I must admit. I have to give a wee mention before we get started. I have, a, I have to give a wee mention to my daughter, Sophie, who's listening in. Uh, she has no interest in football whatsoever. The main reason, in fact, the only reason she's listening in is because we're now on Spotify and she thinks it's brilliant that she can get her dad's podcast and Little Mix in the same platform. So, <laughs> because well, I think all Little Mix, you know where that went the last time we took on Little Mix. <laughs> so, big hello to Sophie and thanks for listening in. Uh, right, guys, let's go on with the game. As I said, a really sort of poor end to the season, a wee bit of a flat end after such a decent. Uh, run it, especially after last week. It was almost a repeat of January. You know, we beat Celtic in the the game in December there, and the first game back in January, we lost to Kilmarnock. Same kind of feeling today. I don't think we necessarily deserve to get beat. I thought maybe a draw would have been a fair result, but I still felt a bit flat. John, I'll come to you first. Uh, I, I sort of predicted, I've been doing this over the last two or three weeks, sort of trying to predict the team. I think I got 10 out of 11 last week. I kind of suspected there would be changes this week because obviously Scott Arfield and Katic have been released early. They've got international stuff coming up in the summer. So Stephen Gerrard allowed them to take their holiday early. So we always knew there was going to be changes. The the, the amount of changes surprised me a wee bit, though. Uh, do you think he, he got the right start in 11? He didn't get the right start in 11 to win the match. I didn't have a problem with him making those changes. Uh, I think most of them made sense. I'm surprised at Barisic from from what we've heard um, in, in previous pods. You know, Barisic's time is over at the club, so I was surprised that he got a game. Uh, I thought actually Wallace might get a game before Barisic, so I was a little surprised he got a game. Uh, having seen him play today, <laughs> yeah, I'm even more surprised he got a game. But uh, I, I don't know, Colin. I mean, you know, our, our season's over. Our season was over last week. In the end, you don't ever want to lose, but it didn't actually matter what the score was today in the grand scheme of things. I'm disappointed we lost. It's annoying to lose, but I can understand why Tav was given the day off because he's played about 70 games this season, um, and I think it's wise to give him a little bit extra time. I'm assuming that he's been sent away as well, but I couldn't be certain, but I'm assuming that he's been told he can go early as well. I was surprised Morelos came back in, but I reckon he brought him back in so he get a chance to hit 30 goals, which he did, so that was good. Um, you know, Davis, I thought Davis might have played. Um, I don't really know why Davis has been given, uh, or, or why he didn't get a game. Unless he's got a knock, I can't see why he didn't get a game. And I think we did miss him today. But Arfield out made perfect sense. Katic out made perfect sense. Um, you know, I didn't really have too many complaints with that. In fact, if I had any complaints, it was that he didn't actually give a couple of young boys a game. Just give them a start, you know, let's see. Uh, give them a taste for it in a game that, that doesn't actually matter a great deal. I think that's probably the only complaint I'd have had. Do you feel that they should have gone with a strongest team today? Yeah, well, obviously they couldn't. You know, I think Arfield and Katic, you know, they were big players for us last week. I mean, that, that's, one, that's the sort of point I'm alluding to. I think there was going to be changes. Like you, I was surprised with Barisic. We'll come on and, and talk a bit more about Barisic later on when we're, when we're looking at the, the goals. I thought he would have maybe went with, with Halliday. My boy sort of touted Wallace. He thought he'd maybe give Wallace a run out, but I, I was a wee bit su- surprised with Barisic. 
David, coming to you on this, the, the, the fullback positions, two two different fullbacks today. In fact, a very different fullback four today with, you know, with Cat, he's been out there as well. Flanagan moved from left back to right back. Now, we don't know what's happening with Tav. Gerard said before the game today that the reason he was missing that his calf was tight or something like that, which is fair enough because, as John has pointed out, he's played a lot of football this season. So, yeah, I could understand why, you know, he left him out. But there is this sort of, you know, there's a lot of rumours and stuff suggesting that he might be on his way at the end of the season. Is Flanagan a possible instant replacement at right back? Because he, I know he's been up and down, but when he's played well and he's played well out of position at left back, you know, is that someone that could actually just slot in there at right back? I know he doesn't offer the, the same stuff going forward, but is that a ready-made replacement if Tav does go? I would say probably yes. I think today, I don't think John Flanagan uh, was necessarily at the top of his form today. Um, having said that, I'm just going to prefix anything I say regarding any of the players today. I would cut every single player and every single team in the league out with Kilmarnock slack for playing on that surface. That, that part is a joke. It sums up Scottish football. But to get back to uh, John Flanagan, I, I think uh, you'd need to give him a few games at right back to see whether he was... Um, it actually, he, he looked as though he was a left-back playing at right back today, if that makes sense. He just He's obviously been that used to playing at left-back recently that he seemed a wee bit unsure. Um, whether he, he's got that kind of uh, synergy with the guy in front of him, being Condace today, I'm not sure. But I, I would say but he's got to be... He's got to be worthy of contention to, to be the, the next right back, assuming that Tavernier moves on. But that's a big if, isn't it? Well, is it? I don't know. I mean, I've saw a couple of things on social media today suggesting that he would he'd actually be staying. But I don't know. I think if we get a half-decent bid in from him, I, I think he, would, he, he could probably go. And I know he doesn't offer the same going forward, but I think defensively, you know, he's he's pretty sound. Uh, John, the, the, you mentioned Morelos there. He obviously got his, his, his 30th goal today. With regards to Defoe, you know, when you consider the amount of goals we've scored with Defoe on the side, and it's not just, you know, in terms of him scoring. You know, obviously last week he, he could call it an assist with a dummy that set up Arfield. Just the way he's fitted in. I, I was listening to one of our rival podcasts, and, and rivals, I mean, the... The, the other side of the fence, the Celtics. Uh, it was a Celtic podcast because I wanted to hear some salty tears after the game last week. And one of the comments was that <laughs> Rangers have stumbled on a a, a, a system, which I, I slightly disagree with. You know, he says they've, stum they've stumbled on a system that's working for them. I, I think Gerard's system's been pretty much the same. You know, he's pretty consistent in the 4 3 3. He maybe did stumble on, you know, the personnel within that. I think. When Morelos got suspended, you know, he's brought Defoe in. Arfield's been sort of pushed further up the park. And that did work for us. You know what I mean? So we'd, I think we kind of stumbled on the personnel. But given the amount of goals we've scored, you know, since since uh, Defoe's been in the side, if you're Defoe sitting today, do you feel you've been hard done by getting getting taken out of that side? I think you do if the game matters. But I think this goes back to what I said earlier. I, I, I suspect he'll have sat down with Defoe and said, look, I'm giving... Going to give Alfredo a run because I want him to try and get his, his 30th goal of the season. He hasn't played for what five games. Um, this this might be his last game for Rangers. You know that might have been his last run out. And yeah, you know I, I think if the game had mattered, 
I think if we had to win that game for for whatever for whatever reason, I think he would have he would have wouldn't have made the same amount of changes that he did. Um, but you know, taking the four out for Morelos, you're not weakening the side. You're changing it. You're not weakening it. Uh, we've played really well with Davis Arfield and um, with Davis Arfield and Defoe. You know, they, they've they've struck up an understanding. Their experience, their guile has shown since they since the three of them have come in and the three of them have been the spearhead of the team. Uh, I think that's really made a difference to, to Rangers. Now, I think we missed them all today, but I don't think bringing in Morelos weakens the team. I don't. That, that for me, you know. I don't have a problem with that change at all. Under the circumstances, no problem at all with that change. Uh, he's a great player, you know, and he scored. Um, you know, whatever you can say about the, the the result today, I don't think you can blame him for it. No, no. I, 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 the one thing with Morelos, and I'm I'm not in any way sort of having a go at him. You know, I'm I'm like you. I rate Morelos very highly. I, it was obvious again today, though. You know, every Kelly player. Just taking that opportunity to to niggle them, to dunt them, to wind them up, and I just felt when Defoe had that run in the team, we never had any of that. You know what I mean? We just focused on winning the game, and you could argue that it's kind of ironic that you know he scored thirty goals a season, easily our best player of the season, I would say. But I would argue that the, the, the six games run that we went on without him in the side was the best form we've played all season. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think you're right. Um, I think, I, I, like you say, since he gets sent off uh, as been out of the team, we have played very, very well. And I don't know if that's because when he's in the team, uh, we ex the rest of the players expect him to do too much. Or if it's like you say, if it's just the fact that Defoe, because it's a different type of player, we play a slightly different way. Um, Defoe's definitely a different type of player. He's, he's not the same bundle of aggression that, that Morelos is. Um, but at the same time, he's a great player and, and I love watching him. And I was pleased to see him because, you know, it might well be his last game. That might be the last game, last time we'll see him in a Rangers jersey. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, I wouldn't I'd like to have seen that. I wouldn't like that Celtic game to have been the last time we saw him play for us. Yeah. Um, and, you know. and I think the 30 goal thing's good as well. I think he deserves that. I think he's the first player since Chris Boyd, you know, to hit the 30 goals in one season, Mark. And, you know, as I said, it's undeniable that he's probably been the, the best player this season. I just find it ironic that we hit our best form when, when he wasn't there. I actually think his style, sorry, just sorry to cut across you there. I actually think his style of play actually suited Kilmarnock slightly more. Kilmarnock like a bit of niggle. You know, Kilmarnock like to mix it. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're a physical team. They like to mix it. There, I mean, Broadfoot, Broadfoot's a shithawk, isn't he? I mean, he just, he's up to everything. I, I, was he like that when he played for us? I don't know. I, I just... I, you want to know something? That, I mean, I know he gets a lot of stick, Broadfoot, right? And, and some of it is justifiable. But, you know, a, a, a thing I'd done uh, about a year or so ago, do you, do you remember the We Are The People magazine? Yes. Used to do a bit for, used to do a bit for them now and again. And they'd done an interview with, with Big Kurt Broadfoot. And I transcripted it and wrote the article and, and wrote the article in the back. It wasn't me that done the interview. Somebody sent me the file and, and, I, and I wrote it all up. And some of the stuff that, that he said, you know, not during the interview, kind of off air. Take it for me. He's he's as blue nosed as they come. You know, it <laughs> was it was pretty staunch, right? <laughs> uh, so that's why I mean, it doesn't bother me, right? I know a lot of fans get annoyed with him and get wound up with him, but it genuinely doesn't bother me. And I do remember him being a wee bit like that, especially when we played against Celtic. He used to get to 
wee McGeady something yeah. rotten, you know what I mean? So I know a lot of Rangers fans don't like him because he's sort of shit house raised, as you so eloquently put it. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's after ten. I got on up and stuff like. Uh, but it's it Disney. It, it Disney bother me. I just I just see him as somebody that, that wants to win a game for his team and he's prepared to to go places that maybe a lot of us wouldn't go. So it doesn't bother me that much. But yeah, it does. He gets up to some absolute nonsense at times. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, when you're listening to um, when you're listening to the, the Wolf Tones podcast this week, you let us know what, <laughs> what they thought. Of them. I can assure you, I, I wouldn't go that far. This, this <laughs> one was fairly calm, but there was plenty of salty tears. And I'm always listening to other podcasts to try and improve our product as well to see if we can steal some other people's ideas. But I wanted to hear, you know, their take on it uh, in terms of the game last week and the the the, the, the sort of comment that we'd stumbled upon a system that kind of upped me a wee bit. Uh, but hey ho, that's just the way it goes. Uh, David, bringing you back in. Sorry, you must be sitting there feeling lonely. Kind of ignored you for the last five minutes. Candias came in today for Arfield. Uh, now, someone made a comment to me on social media, and I, I thought it was quite a good comment. You know, after the game, you know, we found out a lot about uh, some of the players today, especially the ones that weren't playing. Now, Candias came in for Arfield. I don't think there's any denying that we saw just how important Arfield is to that side of the day. I like Candias, he's a hard-working player and, you know, he's, he's he's done a good job for Rangers in the time he's here, but I don't think he's, a, I think it was it was uh, Stevie Clifford that was on the show one night and said he's not a, you know, a 40-50 game a season type player and I, I think that kind of nailed the sort of, nailed the point down, you know what I mean? He hasn't, I think he's a I think from here on in, Candias should be a sort of squad player because when you saw what we missed with Arfield being out today, you know, we, we didn't look quite the same side, I, don't, I, I felt. No, I don't think, um, I think that's a fair comment. I, think, I mean, we spoke about Scott Arfield last week in the pod and um, you've seen the day. I mean, Scott Arfield is certainly, uh, he's accepted a role of responsibility within the team. And he, dri- he drives the team forward. I mean, I, having said that, I think Scott Arfield uh, very much falls into the category of a player who maximises what talent he has. I don't think he's a, a particularly a gifted footballer, um, but his work rate, his prof- what appears to be his professionalism, uh, he puts, he's dedicated, he gives himself every opportunity to be the best he possibly can be. I would also, I would put Daniel Kandias in that bracket as well. He, he appears to be a, a good trainer. Um, he tries his heart out. He's, he's, he's got positional... Uh, how would you put it? Um, he's, he's very... Uh, positional awareness. It's not, not so much positional awareness. He's, he's, he's got good... Um, Oh, the words are escaping me just now and we're live. Um, <laughs> it's just, he's, 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 he's really There's only 55,000 people listening. <laughs> I, it, it, Don't let that get you. He does, he's, he's responsible in the pattern that he carries out the manager's instructions. You know, he, he does what you want him to do. It's not as if you're, you're passing on instructions and then you, as, as a coach or a manager on the sidelines, you're yelling at a player who's, who appears to be, you know, not following the tactics to the letter. But Candace is extremely responsible. Uh, as a player on the, on the pitch. That said, 
Um, I think Stevie Clifford has got a, a very good point there that he's not the type of player in terms of the level of quality to be playing 50, 60 games a season for Rangers and expect Rangers to, to deliver on the big prizes. Scott Arfield in the current setup, he's almost the opposite of that. He's got to be playing 50, 60 games a season. And in the last half a dozen games, um, up to the Celtic game there, I, I went on record a couple of pods ago and I was last on that I feel that's Scott Arfield's best position. Um, he's good at finding space running between the lines. He's running on and off the ball. His, you know, his, his stats will be high. Um, and I think if you see, you're maximising uh, the strengths that Scott Arfield can bring to the team. I, he can play in the midfield, he can, he can pass the ball, he's got reasonable vision, but I think he's running off the ball and, and linking, even though he's not really a, a forward as such. He's pretty adept to that and he has a goal threat. So I think he's seen there for all, you know, today that when Scott Arfield drops out the team, even though, as John quite rightly said, he was a bit of a dead rubber the day, um, he's seen how, you know, he leaves a big gap in the side when he's not there, Scott Arfield. I like Arfield as a player, but I think Indy is a very different type of player. I don't know if you could compare him and Arfield. Um, I know that, you know, on the face of it, Candace has come in to do that job, but I'm not actually sure he, he did. I mean, Candace is a, is a player who's better out wide, and I see Arfield as a guy who's playing in, in the pitch a little more. Do you not think so, David? I, I, I agree with you 100%, John. Scott Arfield, you could possibly say, is more of an inside forward, whereas... Daniel Candace, to my mind, isn't a winger. He's, he's more of a wide midfielder. He'd be like somebody, how would you, yeah, a comparison, a poor comparison here, but he's almost like a Trevor Stephen type player, even though he's nowhere near as good a football player as, as Trevor Stephen. But Trevor Stephen was kind of like a wide midfielder, would, would, would happily patrol that right hand side. Uh, and his, his latter time at Ibrooks and his the kind of early first uh, stint at Ibrooks. Yeah. Yeah. He played that role um, up until he was, you know, he was one of the best players in, in Britain, if no Europe, at the time when he, he moved on. To Marseille, Marseille wasn't it? Yeah, big money. That was when he moved more centrally, became more of a playmaker. No, I, I um, couldn't agree more. I can do I can look. Can do is a wholehearted, honest player. So is Scott Arfield. I think we've got some honest pros. Um, he seems to keep himself very fit, but then you see in the day as you're alluding to. Um, there's a different, um, how would you put it? The, 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 the potency of the team is, is altered drastically when Arfield's not in the team because they, they, you know yourselves, the hardest part of the pitch where you get closed in the most is in the centre of the pitch. So but the words are 18 yard box, so you're driving forward there, but you're going to be closed down far quicker than you will be in the wide areas. Um, huh. And that's yeah. the hardest place to play. I agree. And, I agree. and as you said, if, if Daniel Candace, even though he would willingly do it, if, if, if a manager in Stockton said, Danny, I want you to play just off the, the nine a day, I would I dare say he would say, no problem, boss. But is he going to be, you know, is he going to be as, as effective as Scott Arfield would be playing off the likes of Jermaine Defoe? I don't think so. I agree. Candace, for me, is a, is a wholehearted player. And the one thing I like about Candace, is I think he really brings Tav into the game. 
I think when Candace is playing, Tav feels he can he has got full remit to run up and down that right wing uh, because he knows Candace will cover, because he knows Candace will track back. Um, and, I, and I think because Tav wasn't playing today, we actually lost a little bit on the right. Don't know if the right side of our... Of our I know we've spoken about John Flanagan, and I've got to be honest and say I'm not a John Flanagan fan um, for a couple of reasons. I, I wasn't gagging about signing him. I just don't, I don't think he's I don't think he's that great a, a modern fullback. I think he is quite strong defensively, but I think our system needs more from a fullback than Flanagan can bring. And I think most importantly, he doesn't know how to spell the name John. Have you seen how he writes the name John? Uh, you know, that's that, for me. That's that's the deal breaker as far as I'm concerned. Well, that, that, that's that's a very valid comment there, John. I must admit. Uh, that's the kind of insights you might be on for. From someone who does spell it properly. Aye, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I mean, I, I get what you are saying. In, in terms of Candias, you know, I, again, I think he's a workmanlike player. I, I just think he's maybe he's been overused this season. I think Stevie Clifford hit the nail on the head a few weeks ago. I, I, I just don't think he's the sort of player that you can rely on week in, week out. He's always the sort of player that you get a reaction from. You know, you play him for five or six games, then he hits that the last two or three of those games, he's not so good. You take him out for a couple of games. When he comes back, he's he's you know, he's like a rabid dog. He's desperate to get going and then you get another two or three really good performances out him and then he then he then he dips away again. In terms of Candias, David, just before Kilmarnock took the lead today, he, he hit the bar. Do you think he should have scored? It was unlucky. Colin, I would say you could you, you could say that he could have taken a touch and, and got the shot in target, but I think he was unlucky to see that come off the bat. To be honest with you, uh, well, maybe slightly disagree. I'll maybe look at it again tomorrow. I, th- I thought at the time he probably should have scored, but I'll have another wee look at it. I know. I, 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 I think it's one of those ones where you, you could you could criticise him for not hitting the target legitimately. And uh, some players, some people would say, "Ah, he's unfortunate to see that." Happen. I mean, he had it sweetly. Um, I, I actually think the keeper got a touch, so you could maybe say he has been unlucky. All right. Well, sorry, I didn't see that. I didn't. I didn't catch the fact that I'm the pretty got sure that I'll need to watch again. I'm pretty sure the keeper got a touch, or the defender got a touch, and, and sort of just gave it that wee bit of deflection to put it up onto the bar. Uh, but I mean, we hit the bar, and then like, literally two minutes later, Kamalot run up the part and score. Some really sloppy stuff from Kamara in the middle of the park. And that's a couple of times he's done it now. Obviously, he's done it against Aberdeen. Played a bad square ball across uh, across the park and, and Aberdeen got the goal from it. Today, it just sort of robbed in possession. However, I think the main thing we need to talk about here is, is, is Barisic. And uh, there's been a lot of talk again on social media. John... <laughs> Gerard has sort of expressed his frustration about Barisic previously. I think him and Gresda have sort of upped him on more than one occasion. Now, lots of people were talking to me today again on Twitter saying that, you know, it was it was Kamara's fault for the goal, which I get. I totally get that. Uh, you know, he's a man that's lost possession. However, Barisic's reaction, uh, I've watched that a couple of times since. You know, he was so slow in getting back. He looked... He, when he's chasing back on Chris Park, he looks across to the, the, the linesman for a flag, which doesn't come. He kind of half jogs, then looks across at the linesman again, as if, have you changed your mind? And then he almost like chucks it, you know, in terms of, you know, in that situation, I'd expect my fullback to be bombing back. Now, we were linked with Max Lowe through the week here, who 
uh, as a fullback is, is do you think that the game's up for Barisic? That's how I feel. I think I think Gerard chucked him in the other day. We were talking earlier on about being a bit surprised. I think Gerard has chucked him in the day and said, right, show me what you've got. This is last chance saloon. And he was involved in both goals. Uh, yeah, as I said, I was surprised he started because from what we've heard, he's he's definitely uh, out of favour just now. Um, so having got the chance, you kind of felt he should maybe... I, I, I was also surprised he started because of the pitch. And I was under the impression Barisic wasn't getting to play on the plastic pitches. Um, that You know, for whatever reason that he, he, an injury he had or something was stopping him playing on the plastic pitches. So I was surprised about that as well. But um, let me see. What can I, let me put up a case for the defence first. One of the big criticisms that Tav has always taken from our support, and rightly at times, is that defensively he switches off. Defensively, it, it, it's just, you know, there's been occasions, not you know, not so much recently, but occasions in the last three seasons where he's just switched off, where guys come in behind him, where he's just been unaware of, of, of space around him defensively. And we've always accepted that that's the weakness in his game because going forward, he's so strong. I look at Barisic and I see a player who should be good going forward. You know, when he's been at his best, and he's not been at his best very often, but when he's been at his best, it's been going forward. And defensively, he's a bit suspect. And that that that's, I guess that's why he's really able to sign a player like him, because he, he, isn't, the, he isn't the finished player. So I'd say that perhaps he's worth persevering with, because I think he can teach that. I think, I think Tav has proved that. I think Tav has improved defensively. Um, you know, Tav gave the ball away for the Celtic goal that finished the season for us. And, yeah. and, and we've forgiven him for that. So can Barisic be forgiven for this? Yes, he can. Was it poor? Yes, it was. Um, he, I agree. His response, particularly to the first goal, his response was 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 not good. Um, you know, he should have been. I mean, it's Chris Burke. I mean, you'd fancy your chances against Chris Burke in a race, wouldn't you? I mean, Chris Burke's outrage. Yeah, a thirty-five-year-old bald Chris Burke. Aye, I mean, mean Chris Burke looks like he plays for your local pub team. Yeah, that's what he looks like. I mean, it's amazing that like that that wee guy, that wee ginger guy, who who had dehydration in Aberdeen, has like <laughs> looks like some. He's like this mad thug-looking guy now. It's that guy you wouldn't look twice at in a bar. He's like, no, I don't want yeah. to catch his eye. He'll come for me. But you'd still fancy your chances against him. And I was surprised that that uh, Barisic just his, his responses were poor. Um, you know, Kamara was at fault. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, that, you know, it was fairly obvious that Kamara were closing down. You know, everybody instantly. Um, so I was a little surprised uh, that he got caught in possession. I actually thought I thought Fod could have done slightly better. I'm maybe being a bit harsh there. Well, um, no, I get. It. I understand that. I felt he could have closed Burke a wee bit quicker. He seemed yeah. to come out so far and then just stop. Uh, I think he, I think he could have came out in narrowed angles a bit quicker. Yeah. I'm with you in that. But yeah, I, I was surprised by this. It started for a couple of reasons, and I don't think he did himself any favours today in terms of what the future holds for him. Um, I get the impression if somebody would take him off his off our hands in the summer, we would let him go. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. No. David, as, as as John's pointed out there, you know there's, there's question marks about his his defensive capabilities. But as John's also pointed out, that was always the case. You know, there was always the the thing with Barisic that you were probably similar to Tav, maybe getting a wee bit more in the attacking sense. 
But I would argue that even that's gone. You know, the, the, the standard of his, his delivery into the box at the start of the season compared to now is night and day. So if we're not getting anything out of him, you know, it, it feels to me that the case for the defence, as John's just put it there, is, is pretty poor. It's, it's, it's a weak defence for him. And, he, and if he's going to have to have a discussion with Gerard over the next couple of weeks about staying at Rangers, he's, he's going to be in a vulnerable position, I think. I would agree. Um, I think for a guy that's a converted winger, um, I don't think he's been... He's shown anything defensively where you could cotton on it and say, ah, he looks as if there's something there that can be worked on. Um, I can hear what John's saying up to a point and that Tavernier's levels of improvement defensively um, have shown that you know the, the coaching staff allied to, to a player's individual conviction um, can improve a player. Um, that said, though, I don't think that Borna Barisic shows any heart. I think physically he looks intimidated to the point where you possibly question whether he's he's all that bothered. I mean, is he just picking up a wage? Is he is he disruptive in the dressing room um, through a lack of example in how he trains? Um, I really don't know. He, he's early in the season. I was always giving the guy the benefit of the doubt, saying, "No, oh, he's, he's he's a foreigner coming into a, into a foreign country, into a, a, a league which would I would imagine represent a rapid departure from the kind of technical basis of the the football that he'd be used to growing up uh, and playing as a professional, and that's not easy to adapt to. That said, though, in the game. Against Oziak at Ibrox, he stood out like a sore thumb for Oziak in many respects. Um, he was bombing up and down the line. He looked a danger. Um, whether he, when he's came to Scottish football, people have sussed him out that he's, he's basically a one-trick pony. Um, there's not a lot in his lock in terms of beating a man, and they're just nullifying him. And his his confidence is short. I don't know. Um, it could be that the managers went through him. Too many times, and he's just he's he's just a shell of a player in comparison to what he was when he arrived at first. Is, is he? It, is it possible that the jersey's just too big for him? Aye, aye, there, there could be that. I mean, it, you guys know, and you know, most of the guys that are listening, they know that playing for Rangers is it's not an easy thing to do. You know, getting there's. Half the half the battle, you know. Once you're there, you've you've got to you've got to stand up and be counted. That pressure to win every single game doesn't matter what they're playing. You could, Rangers could be playing tiddlywinks, and it'd be a pressure to, to go and deliver for the badge. And some guys just haven't got it. Um, I, I've, I've read online that after the Liverpool bounce game, um, apparently Barisic uh, was. Was the only guy to go in of the senior pros who the manager level criticism at publicly. There's rumours flying about that he was the only senior pro that went in and said uh, that he was he was sorry for his his performance during the forty the first forty five minutes of that match, and whether that earned him a reprieve, uh, where he made a, a substitute's appearance for the bench. Uh, or th- sorry, he was on the bench for the Hibs game because I think a lot of people were quite shocked that. That he was actually still quoted and made the bench, but looking at him today, you're, you're thinking this guy's Rangers careers. If it's not finished, it's it's perilously close to being finished. I think it's hanging by a thread. I really do. 
Yeah, and I get what you're saying about Gerard. I, you know, I think it's maybe something that we can look at next week in the, the sort of end of season show. You know, there is something about Gerard's man management. I think that deserves to be sort of looked at and scrutinised. I know he's he's played at the highest level and he's got really high standards, but there has been a couple of times when he justifiably he's he's not been happy with players, but how he's went about it, you know, so publicly, I've kind of questioned if, if he's maybe just that's a wee sign of him, you know, still being a wee bit inexperienced as a manager and, and maybe not handling things. Have you ever listened to, sorry, I know you listen to other podcasts, so have you ever listened to the, the Peter Crouch podcast? Yeah, I, I was actually listening to that the other day, yeah. Did you hear the one where he was talking about his first day at Liverpool? No. No. So I, I, that is really insightful into Gerard's character and, and just how he is as a, as a person and as a football man. Um, and I can see why someone like Barisic, who clearly has ability, but if he doesn't have the application, I can see why someone like him would 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 drive Gerard up the wall. Um, you know, Crouch describes his first day at Liverpool, and he said he knew Gerard. He knew Gerard from from playing for England, but he said his first day at Liverpool, Gerard hit, he just hit passes at him as hard as he could, and he said it wasn't a case of you could have a bad training session. With Liverpool, about Gerard when he was there, he said, "If I miscontrolled one of those passes, he said he just gave me a bollocking." He said, "I couldn't believe it." He said, "This was the standard." I said, "I'd moved from Southampton, I think he'd been at." Yeah. So I'd moved from Southampton to Liverpool. He said, "And and the whole purpose of this was Gerard and Carragher." He said they controlled the dressing room, and the whole purpose of this this first training session was to let you know whether or not. You know, to know the standards that were now expected of you in training every single day. And and whilst that's a great thing, not every footballer can do it. Not every footballer is up to it. And it may be that Barris just isn't isn't capable of, of living his, his football life to that standard. It, well, it comes down to, it's not just ability, it's mental strength, isn't it? It's been able to take that sort of pounding every day and, and, and still sort of deliver. And Barisic... Even looks, I think physically he looks quite timid. You know what I mean? And uh, I just think he's he's relative as the season has gone on. And I, I do, I think he's his Rangers career is hanging by a thread. Yeah. Uh, guys, after after we went one nothing down, there was there was a, pe- a penalty claim for Rangers involving the goal scorer Chris Buck. Uh, quite yes or no? Did we think that was a penalty? David, go with you first. I would say it was a penalty. Uh, I would say that Chris Buck's arm is in an unnatural position. Uh, he, he doesn't gesture towards the ball right enough, but I think he's he's making his uh, he's making himself bigger, for want of a better phrase. So I would say yes. Yourself, John? I was confident at the time. I certainly thought it was a penalty at the time. I can see why it wasn't given. You know, we got four replays. Um, the ref saw it once, Linesman saw it once. I could see why it wasn't given. I, I certainly wanted it at the time. I, I certainly screamed for it. Willie Colm was a referee, you know. <laughs> what we see anymore? I couldn't get the other one quick enough at the other end. Okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the equaliser for Morelos now, my mate, has just sort of got in touch with me on, uh, I'm, I'm all fancy with this new iPhone that I've got. I feel like I'm 15 again. Uh, he's just got in touch with me and sent me a list of the players that have also scored 30 goals uh, in a season. 
and it's Chris Boyd, Marco Negri, Marco Negri, Mark Hately, Alan McCoyst, and Derek Johnson. Now, Negri aside, that's a fairly, you know, decent list of players that have served the club well. Uh, great to see him getting the 30 goals. Good work from Ken. Cut inside. Uh, passed it on to Ryan Jack. Another penalty claim, obviously it doesn't matter because of the goal, but it looked to me like that could have been a penalty as well. And then a good finish from Morelos. David, the, the, Brian Kent, the work that he had in the goal, and obviously we don't know what's happening with him. Now I was looking at some of his stats today. It's, I think it's like seven goals and eight assists. You know, the sort of money that we're talking about him. Don't get me wrong, I think when he plays, he, when he plays rarely, he adds a lot to Rangers and he puts panic into teams when he runs at them. But I must admit, when I was looking at his stats, you know, they're, they're slightly on the modest side for the, the sort of fee that's that's been reported for him. How important do you think it is that Kent stays? Is is, is he that integral to, to to how Rangers play? That's a difficult one to answer. Um, he's integral in this this Rangers side currently. Um, it's no surprise to me that he's his stats are slightly modest. I think a lot of his decision making could be better. Um, I'd like to think. Glass half full that next season, that what he's learned this season, he taking into next season if he was to come back, I would like to see that his, his decision making would be better. Um, sometimes he takes an extra touch, sometimes he takes far too many extra touches. I would like to think that um, that he could reduce that and, and become better at that. With regards to uh, how he fits into the side, he's, he's the one genuine player when the ball's at his feet where he, you know, you're up, you're expecting something to happen. He's, you know, he's got, he can drop the shoulder, he likes the the stepovers. He's quite exciting to watch, I think. But I think the fact that we're, you know, that some fans could be pinning their hopes to the likes of Ryan Kent shows where Rangers are in their, their current evolution. Um, I'd like to think that uh, there could be another player out there that could offer something similar. Whether Jordan Jones may well be that player, that's open to debate. I would possibly say no, but that, that's, that's possibly selling Jordan Jones short because Jordan Jones may pitch up Ibrox next season or, or uh, Ockenhowie and it could be the platform that the guy needs to go on and, and, and become a, a special player. Uh, Jake Hasty may well you know, fulfil that role. So, uh, is he that integral to the, to the team going forward? You, you'd have to say yes, given that, that Stevie's went on record as saying they're trying everything to get him, get him back. But when you're mentioning there about the fees that have been involved or have been mentioned, um, I think I'm right in saying that the Liverpool Echo ran a story there during the week that they reckon they could amass possibly £100 million from selling fringe players in the squad. And I think that was somebody put a, a rough figure of £12 million quid on Brian, Jack, uh, Brian Kent's head. I don't think he's, he's worth anywhere near that. I don't think he's worth anywhere near half that, to be perfectly honest. But um, the market dictates otherwise. I think an English championship side could quite easily afford that. Uh, obviously, the, the total cost ownership when it comes to, to wages is part of contract packages 
um, possibly blow Rangers out of the water. Um, so uh, it's a difficult one to answer, Colin. But I'd like to think that let's say that you know on the debit side that he doesn't come back up the road next season. I'd like to think that the, the manager could unearth someone else who can perform that kind of that role within the team where he's the, the guy that takes somebody on and tries to get the bailing cup balls back or, or dives in and plays one twos off a off a spearhead uh, or a target man strike and if that's how Gerard's going to play next season. It's worth pointing out we're we're waiting on Murphy coming back as well. So you know we, we are going to have options uh, uh, for that position next season. But there is an awful lot of focus on Kent. But I'm a bit like you. I, I, as I said, when I was looking at his stats today, I just thought I, I was expecting them to be higher. Let's put it that way. John, the the the, the, the key moment in the match, a uh, couple of minutes to go. I, I I felt about the game. I think probably a draw would have been a fair result. But with a couple of minutes to go, ball gets uh, Barisic is involved again. I think he gets caught wrong side of the player. He sort of has a wee tug at him. Player goes down. I thought it was soft. Uh, how did how did you view it? I thought it was soft as well. Um, like you, you said earlier, uh, you know the ref was dying to give it, and he did give it. Um, all I'd say is, you know, Barisic pulled his jersey, and he, did, he pulled the jersey in the box. It certainly wasn't enough for them to go down, but he pulled the jersey, and if the ref saw that, then it, he's given a penalty. Um, he was caught wrong side. He was daydreaming. And the, it was a fullback, wasn't it? The guy O'Donnell. Um, I that was, it was the guy O'Donnell, who I actually think is, a, is actually a pretty decent player. He's probably one of their better players. Um, but he just got he just got the other side of him, and, and he went down. And um, it was it was kind of messy looking. And uh, like you say, I think the ref had been looking to give them something. Um, uh, yeah, right. Uh, for me, a draw would have been the right result over the piece. But Kamala wanted it more than we did today, so. Sometimes it's just like that. Um, David, I, did you I see it as a penalty? I, I, well, I, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you see it as a penalty, David? Yeah, I thought it was soft as well, Colin. Um, but I think it's, it's John's kind of more or less nailed there. If, if Willie Collum sees Barisic tugging at uh, Stephen O'Donnell's shirt, even though Barisic lets, lets the shirt go and then... Uh, you know, Jacques Cousteau would have been proud of that emotion in the box. Um, but a swan dive, to say the least. But I, I think it's he's going to give it. I think it's 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 one it's one of the ones where it's you're you're leaving yourself open to to being penalised by the referee, and, and that's what transpired, unfortunately. I mean, I mean, again, going back to sort of comments at the time on on social media. Uh, you know, I saw a few folk going on about O'Donnell diving and all the rest. And he has, he's made the most of it. But I think, again, you know, Barisic has left himself wide open. The whole situation, if Barisic has switched on, if he's, in his, you know, in his right uh, position, you know, that whole situation doesn't happen. So, uh, it's been a bad day for Barisic, I think, and uh, a bad day for Colm as well, because I don't think it was a penalty, but yeah, a bad day for uh, Barisic at left back today. Speaking of Willie Collum, guys, again, there was a, just the lack of consistency. There was a couple of things. Obviously, there was a Kamarnock penalty. There was there was an incident earlier on in the game involving Connor Goldson, which looked identical, if not worse. You know, there was a tug on Connor Goldson's shirt. 
and he went down. And it, it comes down to this this consistency thing. You know, you're seeing one thing being awarded and uh, another one not. And I mean, we really call him, you know, when he booked he booked Morelos today as well for something that I thought was was nothing, a wee gesture to to the Kilmarnock fans after he scored because they're giving it, you know, they've given it tight. Now again, we've seen a lack of consistency in this issue. We saw Andy Halliday sent off at Morton a couple of seasons back and accused of inciting a riot. Anytime Neil Lennon comes at Ibrox, especially when he was with Hibs there, you know, he was continually gesturing to the supporters in the, the Old West enclosure there, you know, and proper, you know, get it up here gestures, you know, not just be cupping the, the ears and all that kind of stuff, you know, proper get it right up here gestures. Nothing said. Derek McInnes does something similar and a couple of weeks ago in the, the semi, it was at the semi final against Aberdeen, and he gets sent up the tunnel. Oh, there's a real issue, I think, here with the with the consistency of not only the refereeing but the retrospective action that comes afterwards. Consistency is exactly the problem. Um, in the end, if every player got booked or sent off, as it was in Hardy's case, in the end, but if every player got booked for making gestures to the crowd, then every you know I don't agree with that, but at least then everybody knows where they stand. But the two examples you gave there of McInnes and Lennon are, are the perfect example of the inconsistency and the utter ridiculousness of it. And you know, I, I, let's let's say let's say referees, you're going to cut referees some slack sometimes and say, look, you know what, they're all individuals, so they all react differently to different events. And what happens in you know a low key game when uh, there's nothing at stake, and what happens in you know, a high-profile match when everything's at stake, you know, the circumstances and how fans will react. I get that folk can take things differently because of that. They can, you know, they may have to take that into account. But but Morales's booking today was an utter nonsense. You know, it was just a nonsense. You know, I, I felt sorry for him. I mean, I was a wee bit annoyed with him. I thought he had a couple of wee fouls in the match. And I thought, you didn't need to do that. You shouldn't have done that with, with what's going on in the past. You shouldn't be getting involved in those types of things. But I felt that that, you know, that's part of the game. If a, if a player is getting stick all through the match, as he does, and he's getting stick from the fans and he's getting stick from their players and he scores a goal, I think he's, you know, I think he's kind of half entitled to just give them a little bit. But he didn't, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't swear at them. He didn't give them the finger or anything like that. You know, he, he just didn't let them know that he'd heard them and there's your reply. That's not a booking. You know, that's a disgrace. And, and that's, that's where the consistency comes in. Because you know that Morales got booked because he's Morales. Yeah. And and Defoe wouldn't have got booked for that. You know, and, yeah. I, and in my opinion, that, 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 that was his reputation that got him booked today. Uh, and that's not right, because then that is, there is no consistency. And that's what drives fans up the wall. I, I mean, I think the, the comparison you make with, with Defoe there is... Is on, the, is on the money. You know, if he scores today and does the, the exact same celebration, there's no yellow card coming out. You're right, Morelos was booked today because he's Morelos. Now, yeah. part of the reason he has a reputation he has to take responsibility for, but there's also this total, you know, exaggeration of his, you know, what he does in a football park. He's sort of deemed as a sort of unstable foreigner who's coming <laughs> over here and showing us this, that, and the next thing. And that's led to a narrative that I, th I think referees are watching him for the minute that the, the game kicks off. They're looking for a reason to book him straight away. You know, they're thinking, the minute he gets involved in something, I'm just going to show him the yellow card. 
Yeah. And, and again, because, and the reason they're having to look is because he is highlighted by television. But I mean, it's this whole trial by sports scene that you just know that if he does something out of line, that it's getting shown from five angles and getting discussed by Michael Stewart, and there's a letter going into the Scottish Parliament the next day. <laughs> and the same, you know, any other forward in the league does not get the same level of scrutiny. No. And that leads to referees then thinking, right, you know, I, I have to book him anytime he does anything. Yeah, I, 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 I do. I think, I think you're absolutely on the money again. Uh, and, That's and twice you've a, said that today. I know, aye. And it's, it's highly it's surprising. Like, <laughs> still you're, like having, me. you're playing a blinder, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and David, on another thing, another issue, you know, that comes down to scrutiny and consistency, the, the, the whole Steve Clark thing, you know, the chance came up again. I know we discussed that a wee bit last week. Uh, it sort of happened when, when Lennon was at Ibrox. You know, we had the same thing again. Uh, now, the minute I heard that, you know, the, the, the Steve Clark song, I thought, here we go again. There's there's the headlines right there, right then. That, that's what the majority of the usual suspects will go away. However, uh, something that didn't go quite as noticed was a song, a chant from the, the Kilmarnock supporters aimed at John Flanagan uh, and the whole domestic abuse thing. You know, he's, he's sort of... You know, he was convicted when he was at Liverpool for an incident with his wife or girlfriend or whatever. Now, obviously can't defend what Flanagan done, you know, and I think we all agreed at the time that we, we felt a bit uncomfortable when Rangers signed him. However, in a week where Graham Spears and a few others have moralised about using another story on the other end of the city, uh, you know, a, a sort of developing scandal, you know, Spears and a few others have been quite critical about or oh, using that for point scoring. Well, surely if supporters are engaging in a song singing about a guy being a wife beater, you're using domestic abuse on point scoring, you know, on a point scoring basis. So again, coming down to the consistency thing, how many commentators are going to mention that Flanagan song? I'm fairly sure it won't be any. I don't think there will be any. Um, I don't think you can conflate domestic abuse and sectarianism, to be fair, Colin. Um, I'm probably going to go against the tide here. Uh, I didn't, personally, I didn't hear anything. I was, um, I couldn't uh, hear the chants on the telly. I was, I, I opted not to go to Rugby Park today. Um, for a, a multitude of reasons, but I didn't hear anything on the telly. Uh, but I'm at a loss. I mean, what, what the support got to do? I mean, the, the club hierarchy, the, the management, the senior management of the club, they, they must be at their butt saying, what, what can we do with this? Um, they just can't help themselves. I mean, is it just, is that, is that a final two fingers to, to Stevie Clark as the, the commander manager? I'm um, assuming that he's going to take up the mantle at, um, at Hamden shortly. I don't know. It's, it's just a despair of the some of the actions of the collective support at times gone. I've got to, I've got to be honest. I don't think we box clever at times. I think we are the, the sort of masters of our own downfall. However, you know, as I've said before, there, there is a, a level of inconsistency, which I think also feeds it. You know, I mean, I think some supporters have this view of, well, if we're going to get hung out to dry, we might as well get hung out to dry for doing something, you know, properly naughty. Well, you've got, got, got to box clever then. I mean, if, yeah. I take your point. I think you, I think you have got a point there that a lot of it is, you know, leading 
let's see some of the, the kind of um, uh, the kind of less bright members of the Rangers support on the punch. You know, but that still doesn't excuse it. There's got to be leaving aside moralising about you know self policing as a support. I mean, come on, we're not getting past you know that kind of chant. It's it was out of date when when it was used twenty five years ago in the nineties. Um, I just I despair at times. I really do. I mean, it, it was only when um, I saw the agenda for the night's pod that I realised that had been going again. You're thinking to yourself, this is just. I, mean, I don't know whether it's elements within the union bears if it's unfair to to, to single them out. Or, well, it's just guys in the understand the Chadwick stand that it'll be part of just decided to start it up. I don't know. It's just I'm at a loss, Colin. I, I, I totally take your point. I, I I know there's 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 antagonism in certain uh, corners in the media that that, that want to get a rise out of any supporters and and some of our, our fans are only too happy to oblige. But um, I don't know what can be done. I certainly I don't partake in it, and I don't. I don't think anybody should, to be honest with you. Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, I think we've kind of covered the game there, and I'm conscious of time. Uh, just a quick, sort of, obviously the last game of the season today, you know, no cup final next week. You know, we go away, have a break, and we come back. John, in terms of the season overall, how, how have you felt about things? It's been a 6 out of 10 for me. <sighs> oh, harsh. Six out of ten. Well, we won. We didn't win anything. You know, yeah, Rangers. Rangers need to win. Thanks. Um, we didn't win anything. We made progress. I don't care what any of the apparently, and then you know, some of the people you read, you say, or you hear, support the radio, or you, you you read some of the stuff they say. You know, Rangers haven't made much progress. Rangers have made an absolute ton of progress this season. You know, having watched Rangers for the last decade, yeah. you know, the team just now, you know, there's a cohesion to it. You can see what they're trying to do. Um, we have better players, and and it's inconsistency this season that has that has caught us out. Um, and I'm very pleased with the progress. And I'll, you know, it's funny looking back. And I know we're going to do a proper one next week, but it's funny looking back because I have to say, when they appointed Gerard, I was a little sceptical. Uh, I did think this was taking a huge gamble, um, and he's he has been far far better than I thought he would be. And I know a lot of folk were very excited about him, and obviously, you know, a, a big name, and B, you know, a, a guy who had been a, a captain of his country, you know, a guy clearly a, a born leader. But at the same time, that doesn't always make you a good manager. Um, but I've been impressed with with what Gerard's done. I've been impressed with some of the players he's brought in. I like the way we try and play football. You know, I think it's quite pleasing in the eye. It's good to watch. But I'm a six out of ten because ultimately we fail at the final hurdle every time. You know, we, 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 we should have gone through in Europe. You know, we should have played football in Europe after Christmas. Even though I was didn't think we had a chance of qualifying for the knockout stage in the first or for the, the group stage in the first place, when we did, you know, we should have we should have got through till after Christmas. Um, we should have done uh, better against Celtic at, at Parkhead. You know, we should have got a point from that game. And we shouldn't have gone out both the cups the way we did. And that's the disappointment for me. Um, and that's why it's a six out of ten. So I've I've actually enjoyed the season. You know, and there's the times you've been banging your head against the wall. There's times you have been down. But I have enjoyed the season more than I enjoyed certainly last season, which I didn't enjoy one bit. 
-hmm. And the season before, when you know, the season before our first one back up, you know, again, I, I liked the way we played under Warburton. I liked the football mm -hmm. he tried to play. I liked the style, um, and I was quite hopeful. I didn't, you know, I didn't think we were going to win the league the first season up, but I was quite hopeful that we would, you know, we'd bloody a few noses. And I was so disappointed it, it finished the way it did. You know, in the acrimony and, and it just it was horrible the way it finished. Um, and and that season was just that was a horrible season. Um, and uh, and last season wasn't much better. So yeah, six out of ten maybe harsh, but ultimately you know you get ten out of ten when you win the treble. Um, and and we we didn't we didn't we didn't win anything. Didn't even make a final. And that's that's not good enough for Rangers. David, uh, you're Stephen Gerrard at the moment. You know, you're coming up to the summer. You know, if you've got four positions that you think need replaced at Ibrox and need strengthened, you know, what do you think we need? What are those sort of four key positions you think we're needing? Well, it depends who departs, I would say, Colin. Um, if Alfredo Morelos moves on, I would say the number one priority is a centre-forward that's going to score you 25 goals a season, minimum. Um I'd say a centre half is, is vitally important. If assuming James Tavernier stays at Ibrooks and assuming that Stevie wants to play in a similar way to how he has uh, certainly in the last six games, um with the, the backs high up the pitch, it could you could make a case for a, a left back. I know Max um Max Lowe's been linked and Greg Taylor, a commander's also been linked as well. So possibly going into the market for a, a left back and a, possibly a number ten. I don't know. You could make a toss up for a number ten and possibly a midfield enforcer. Um, of the three, the, the triumvirate that was mentioned last week, they played really well. Being Davis, Kamara, and Jack. There's no real anybody that's there's no real hard man in there. Or somebody that can look after themselves physically. I don't regard. Ryan Jack is a physical player. I think he's, he's pretty... The chips are down. Um, I don't think he's, he's got what it takes physically. I still think he's a decent player. Glenn Kamara is too lightweight. I think I've, I've went on record as saying I'd like to see him put on half a stone of muscle. Um, and Stephen Davis says, you know, he's he's never going to be a, a physical player given his, his stature and his height. So, um, I, I would say... Uh, Assuming it's not going to be, you know, a central midfielder, then you're possibly looking at a centre forward, a left back, a number ten, and a centre half. Yeah, I would go with that. I would, I would agree with most of your arguments there. Having a wee look here, guys, at some of the comments on YouTube, I'm going to, I'm going to do a wee shout out for Pete David Thomason, who contributes obviously to the to the pod. He's asked me to give the Blues Brothers uh, Patrick Supporters Club a mention because they looked after him today. Got another mention here on the whole singing thing, uh, you know, the chance. Ewan Taylor here on the, uh, the comment section makes a good point, saying that we had fair at all our European games uh, and anything we do as a support gets highlighted. Uh, not sure what the club can do. Uh, the, the fair thing, I think, is a really good point because they, they did turn up at most, if not all, of our games. And again, it comes down to that consistency thing. If, if you've been contributing tonight on the comment section, thanks very much. Uh, sorry, I couldn't get to read out all of them. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Just looking at the time there, we're, we're a couple of minutes over. Uh, so a big thanks to you, David, and thanks to you, John, for your contributions tonight. Thanks, guys. Uh, pleasure.
No problem, Colin. Uh, no, I need, I need to put the promotion out for next week. We're, we're doing an end-of-season party show, so we're going to try and get as many of the contributors to the pod on in one single night and just have a sort of review of the season, a discussion of the high points, low points, where did they go right, where did they go wrong, all that kind of a thing. So that'll be out next week. Obviously, we'll have no game to cover, but we'll have a review of the season overall. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself on to promote... Promote. So you can get yourself onto the Four Lads pod with Stephen Clifford. He's speaking to Derek Johnson this week. Uh, I've not had a listen to it yet, but Big DJ is always good to listen to. Also get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week for the end of season party show. Uh, and until then, bye for now.